Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, the Intern Whisperer. Our show is brought to you by Employers for Change, and today's tip of the week is still the continuing series that we have on unconscious bias. This week, we're going to talk about ageism. Ageism in the workplace is the tendency to have negative feelings about another person based on their age. It affects older people more than younger people. About two-thirds of workers aged 50 and over believe older employees face discrimination because of their age. The later employees are in their career, the more difficult it is to change careers, find a job, or move up in their careers because employers tend to value younger talent. Even though experience and expertise are critical skills for any successful business. So how can we avoid ageism? To avoid it in the workplace, you want to train your team members to understand the issue of ageism and debunk some of the myths about workers of different ages. Your company should also create a policy that prevents age bias, along with hiring goals to keep age diversity top of mind when recruiting new talent. And as a reminder, everybody gets older. And we should all care about this particular. Well, I want to welcome Karis Baker to my show this week. I'm really excited about having her. I've known her for a while. She, I know her through Game Jams and also because she works with Unity and they do great work and they sponsor our podcast, uh, not a podcast, sorry, our Game Jams at OMG Labs and Indienomicon. So she is a senior technical artist with Unity Technologies. She is... I call her a community builder, but she is also somebody that is very active in the community that brings awareness to games and just making fun stuff fun, you know, that's educational. Um, she is in the game development industry and a graduate from Full Sail that was also a Hall of Fame inductee, and we're going to learn more about what that is. Okay, so welcome to the show. Thank you, Isabella. Thank you for having me. No, I'm so excited. I've been wanting this for a while. Okay, so let's talk about five words that describe you and then why those five words. We always kick off the show like that. Okay. Um, I am a believer. I'm a family person. Mm -hmm. I'm an artist. I'm a technical artist. Mm -hmm. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a public speaker. Okay. So let's go through. We'll unpack those. Believer, that's the most important one. Let's do that one first. Absolutely. Yeah, I um I uh I have to give everything that I have today to to my Lord and Savior because I wouldn't be here without him. Um and the older I get, the more obvious that is to me. The further away I get from it, the more clear it is that I cannot be anywhere but acknowledging the work that God has done in my life. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that everybody knows that because it would not be being completely transparent if I wasn't. Yep. Super important. Believe it. Family person. How yeah. so? Everything that I do is because of, of my family. You know, I have photos of my family behind me. I have my photos of my family on my, my table here. My parents, my brother, my sister-in-law, my husband, his family, my in-laws, my sister-in-laws and brother-in-laws. Um, my nieces and nephews, they are absolutely the most important to me and my cats, <laughs> um, hey, they're family pets. Yeah, family. exactly. Yeah. I love them with all my heart. And, um, I just, I just want to make them proud all the time. 
And, You're hard um, to make proud sometimes. <laughs> you know, I really am blessed because I have the two greatest parents in the whole world. And um, yeah, I, I have a wonderful relationship with my family. I love them so much. My in-laws too. And um, they're, they're really proud of me and they let me know. Hmm. And That's my husband as well. He's, he's the most proud of me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've seen it on social feeds. Yeah. I know <laughs> that's true. That he is your biggest fan. That is, that's the absolute truth. Even more than your parents. <laughs> I think so. I yeah. really do. Yeah. So um, technical artist, you'll have to explain that to our listeners because they, they won't, may not know what full sale is and they may not probably know what being a hall of fame inductee is. So, yeah. Um, so when I was a kid, I really wanted to be an artist. And um, as I grew up and I became a student, I went to school at Full Sail and I wanted to be a computer animator. And I really didn't know what that was. I wasn't really big into computer animating before I went to school, um, but I learned at Full Sail about programming and about uh, computer softwares like Maya and ZBrush and, um, I learned about scripting and I learned about Unity. I learned about Unreal. And that kind of led me on a path because I was kind of the kid growing up where everything kind of came easy to me. But when I hit a wall with technical artistry, I was angry about it. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but like it does. I didn't get I it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it made me mad. And I remember asking my teacher, um, to fail me multiple times because I <laughs> didn't get it. I, I got like a C or a D, I don't remember, but it wasn't enough for me. Um, I, it's not that I wanted the grade. It's that I, it was evidence that I didn't understand it the way that I needed to. Mm. And I had failed things before and I didn't mind, but this one I really cared about. And so I chose to fail those classes and I was oh allowed gosh. to, um, back then. And, uh, so I, I took it, I think three times. It was a specific class about, you know, TA stuff, rigging and scripting and Mel um, scripting and Python. And uh, I ended up passing it with a better grade. And that thirst for knowledge that I had back then carried me past my, my graduation date and um, into my career. And I remember someone that I, I respect very much sat me down and explained to me that I was probably a technical artist and these are the things that I should be doing if I wanted to grow in these areas. And I'm very grateful for that. So uh, today I'm a senior technical artist at Unity, which is insane to me. It, it's a it's a dream job that I didn't have on my list because I never thought it would be possible. And I, I try to explain it to people like, um, getting a job at Unity is like getting a job at Adobe if I was a, if I stayed a digital artist my mm -hmm. whole life. Um, but now I'm a, I'm more than just a digital artist. I'm, I'm a, a video game artist. I'm a, uh, I'm a technical artist. And now this is a company that makes the program that I work in bringing me on their team and acknowledging my skills. It was a, it was a huge moment for me. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned full sale. Uh, yeah. What did, what did it mean? You know, that that's a, that's a, 
when uh, I, I got the call. Um, it's an honor. I mean, I didn't yeah. go to Full Sail, and my listeners may not know about Full Sail. And I know we're skipping over some stuff. Coming maybe back, maybe we listeners. pause for we pause on the Hall of Fame stuff because that was that was like that just happened a few months ago. I'm still reeling from it. I'm still yeah. I'm still recovering from it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, the um the technical art stuff. Um, I'm an artist and I'm a programmer, and my job is to make sure that the people on the right and left of my part in the did the uh game art pipeline are taken care of so i do a little bit in the programming side do a little bit in the art side and i make sure things communicate talk and connect so i implement i design i do user interface user experience um pretty much anything that they need that is a problem needs to be solved i'm in there with the art side, with the programming side, trying to make it work. Mm. That's what Very I think good. a technical artist is. And there's a lot of definitions for a technical artist, but that's where I fit on the spectrum. Yeah. And every company might have definitely different ways of addressing that for sure. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's, yeah, definitely. And is. entrepreneur was the next word, right? So I did not know you had a business. So I'm really interested in learning more about your business. So hopefully Thanks. you're going to talk a little bit more about it. I would love to. Uh, it's my favorite thing. So I'll, I'll probably speak more on this a little bit later, but mm -hmm. uh, my current focus is to um, sell arcade cabinets, um, which contain the video game that myself and a few other people have been working on for the past seven years. Wow. But listen, like two and a half of those don't even count. Sorry about that. Um, two and a half of those don't even count because uh, the pandemic happened and we completely halted all development. So we focused on our day jobs. Um, I was a I, I was a um, technical artist at an engineering firm at the time, and we were focusing on bringing our virtual reality tools onto a more at home accessible um, format so that we could continue to bring our good work to our employees, to our, to our, our audience, which was our engineers. And so we, we completely halted all, um, production for like two years. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I just want to say that. So like, like, let's say five years, like, um, yeah. So back in 2016, um, I was approached by my now business partner, Brian Stabile to work on a video game called Highlight Heroes. And, um, I'd said, I'd give them three weeks and you know it's been seven years <laughs> oh my gosh uh yeah but to be fair the three weeks that I told him I was like I know that I can get this product um to a showable state in three weeks um because that's what I had been doing in my my career I was taking prototypes and I was beautifying them and I was looking at them from an art director's perspective and really quickly bringing them up to a standard um so that, that includes the logo, the uh, user interface, character, character animations, special effects, like anything that needed to be done, uh, environment art in three weeks. And that was like my thing. Um, and I was constantly churning out work. And my whole thing was that I wanted to have published titles so that I could make a name for myself. Um, so I was constantly working and mm -hmm. just really, really uh, burning the candle at both ends during that period of my life. And um, 
So this is the one, and and there were others, that this was the one that um, really kind of took shape and uh, gathered some steam. And uh, so we started talking about um, indie arcade stuff. And indie arcade is like, okay, so this is a whole different topic, but I just wanted to mention our indie arcade is is the most punk rock thing that you can do in the game development industry to, to today, in my opinion, um, because well, it, it's it's a grassroots um, like effort to get your game to take uh, to, to to catch fire, you know, yeah. and um, that's the coolest thing that I've ever seen. I was really enamored with it. Um, I'm inspired by games like Killer Queen and Bumblebear. Uh, my friends Nick and Josh over at Bumblebear, they really inspired me. I watched one GDC talk and I knew about the game, but I had no idea the breadth and the depth and the, the way that it began. It began as a, um, a field game. And I just thought that that was the most pure form of game development I'd ever seen in today's industry. And um, you know, today you just put things out on the eShop and just hope that they work out. But this was something different. This was something special. So my business partner and I really wanted to be a part of it. So um, after the the pandemic was over, our friend Neil Hernandez picked up the task of bringing it to a prototype, um, building it with his own two hands, like going to Home Depot and picking up wood. They didn't have black wood, so he got white wood. And he's the one that had the vision of making it white with hot pink because he was imagining, you know, Don Johnson in, in uh, Miami Vice mm -hmm. with the with the white suit. <laughs> so uh, a year later, we presented our prototype cabinet at Preplay Florida. And uh, yeah, it's been crazy ever since. We have seven units in the world right now and we've made sales. Uh, we have units in Fort Lauderdale. We have units in Jacksonville and we're continually making new cabinets. We're heading for a manufacturing deal. We have some sponsorship opportunities. We have a partnership opportunity that we're really excited about and things couldn't be going better. Uh, we have merchandise. You can go to astro astrocrow.com slash store and you can pick up. So some how merch. do we spell this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we actually rebranded as a recommendation by our dear friends at, uh, at Arcadeaholics. Um, nobody could spell or say anything related to Highlight. Highlight is a specifically Florida sport. It's an old sport that nobody knows about anymore. Um, That's true. And it's very much, this whole game is a love letter to Florida. And um, so they recommended to make it more accessible um, that we rebrand. And we did. And we announced the rebrand. So it's called Throwback Highlight Heroes. And we kept the original name as a tagline because it's just, it's just so, it's, it sounds so good. It rolls off the tongue. So throwback highlight heroes, uh, throwback. And then highlight is J-A-I-A-L-A-I. And then the word heroes. Okay. I'm typing it right now. J-A-I-A-L-A-I-A-L-A-I. A-L-A-I. A lie. Yeah. It is a Basque word. And the Basque region of Spain is the region that borders France and Spain. So that language, the Basque language, is uh, influenced by both French and Spanish. Mm. 
So throwback highlight with a dash and highlight. What's the rest of it? Heroes. Heroes with an E-S dot com. Oh, uh, that's the name of the game. But the what I was spelling out was um, astrocroak.com slash store. Okay. Well, I'm going to go look <laughs> at some point here. You can just go to astrocrow.com and you'll you'll see the, the links and the, the stuff. I put the website together myself um, with the help of my business partner. So. Gotcha. So, well, that sounds good. Um, I'm definitely going to go and, like I said, look it up. And I'm putting it in the show description when I'm actually putting it out there, too. So, like, I'm kind of writing down some of the stuff that we're talking about. So it goes in the show description and we have hyperlinks and all of that good stuff. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Astrocrow.com is uh, our website. It'll let you know everything that you need to know about what's going on with our arcade cabinet. It is a a 2v2 experience. Um, it is a ball sport. It is basically fancy pong, um, but all of the character design, all of the all the environments, all the UI, the logo design, everything is my own artwork, especially the exterior. I'm very, very proud of the exterior of the unit. Because um, we're in the furniture business now. <laughs> we're designing yeah. furniture. So um, the the every cab is freshly cut by our friends, Neil and his team, Joey of Gamehog, Gamehog Customs. And I just couldn't be prouder of them. They're they're just so incredible. It's always um, nice to give shout outs for people. Yeah. <laughs> because then and that encourages them to also go listen to the episode because they feel valued. Because Oh, you, of course. Then yeah. as they should be. Um Joey also does all of our print work. So anything that's been printed out that you're you're, that we're, we're signing for you you see signage or whatever um he also made our tablecloth and a bunch of other stuff uh we're really excited we're going to or we will have already have gone to by the time this is out southern fried gaming expo in uh atlanta in august so that's our that next is event. very very nice Great congratulations those are big accomplishments thanks i uh, really appreciate that um so that was the the entrepreneur part there's a second part to being an entrepreneur, if you mm -hmm. let me. Um, I wanted to be a artist when I was a kid. You remember that part? Yeah. I remember telling somebody, it wasn't my parents. It was like an adult that I that I liked when I was a kid. I said, they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a street artist because <laughs> I was so enamored by caricature artists that that's what I wanted to do. And I remember they said, well, you should probably aim higher. And I, <laughs> I, I don't condone that statement whatsoever so much so that as I became an adult I was like you know what forget that this is what I want to do so I pursued being a caricature artist um this is post-graduation and I said I'm gonna make this happen so now I have Karis Captures which is a live digital portrait uh business um I've I do weddings and Christmas parties and so photography uh, work. Oh, um, caricature art. Oh, yeah, di digital portraits, uh, drawing people. Wow. And um, you know, I have people sit in front of me. I'll draw them really quickly. I'll plug in like a thing so that someone can watch on the TV, and then just get it done. I, I haven't done it in a few years, but this is how I evolved it. Someone asked me to do a um a charity stream. And I had been a streamer hobbyist for a little while. So I had a streaming account and they knew that I did. So they asked me to do, um, 
like an extra life stream for this little girl who had kidney cancer. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, yes, of course. And I said, you know what, and I'll do you one better. I decided to do a Twitch stream where I drew on Twitch and then I had people donate to her, um, to, to her, uh, her GoFundMe as the payment for the caricature. And I was drawing for two weeks straight because I had like a backlog of people who had donated. Wow. Um, and so I was on stream every single night drawing people like five or six people a night. Wow. And what was fun was that they would tune in, they would watch themselves get drawn and then they would, you know, tell their friends and stuff and it would keep the the donations rolling. And then I continued that with other, with other people. And um, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that. Hmm. And uh, now it, it's, it's, it's more of a commission thing where you DM me on Instagram and uh, I'll just, I'll draw your picture. So. You know you what, go. that's uh, really interesting because I think I want to bring you in when we do the game jams. And I think that when people want to break, they can go and get a character done. So I love that. yeah, it's uh, September. It's coming up. We have, by the way, six back to back at OMG Labs. I remember you telling me that. I am very impressed. That's going to be so much fun. I uh, would love to do that. In fact, someone asked me what would I would do if I was, you know, I found myself exorbitantly wealthy suddenly would I keep my job what would I do and I think that my answer was I would continue drawing people even if I'd probably keep my job honestly because I I think back then I didn't have the job I have now but um I would always continue to draw people because my favorite thing is when you rotate the the paper and you see the person's face light up Mm. hopefully hopefully they like it they usually do they usually do. But nice. That little moment of joy is the only reason why you, you get that kind of thing done, right? The little reveal moment and then the laugh or the smile that happens afterward is everything to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what time we started, but I know we took a while before we started. So I'm just making sure, oh yeah, how long are we going? Um, I want to go to the Hall of Fame and be mm-hmm. an inductee. Talk about that. Our listeners don't know any sure. of that. Yeah, absolutely. I still can't believe it. Um, but basically what's what's happening with that is that, um, you know, I graduated from Full Sail University. And, you know, there's a lot of people that graduate from Full Sail University. But every year they nominate and induct. A lot of people are nominated. Only a few people are voted on. And the people who get voted in are inducted and they induct them in this like crazy ceremony that just happened for me last April. So yeah, every year um, since 2009, I think they've held this hall of fame. So there's, there's quite a few of us now. Um, And I was the biggest nerd for hall of fame for whatever reason. I just thought it was the coolest thing. So every year um, they, they, they make it a big like block party for the students for all week long, you know, with all kinds of fun events. And we, uh, the, the hall of famers and other speakers would come in and, um, give you like advice and demonstrations and workshops that you wouldn't get otherwise, you know, it's just like just slam packed week. And I met some of the coolest people throughout my time as, as a student, you know, as an alumni coming back. So I got the call that I was going to be receiving an envelope and 
don't want to reveal too much about like how they do it and they do it differently for every person. So mm-hmm. they, they tell everybody differently. Um, but I, I wept tears of joy. There was a certificate. Um, it's like a red carpet event. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I encourage you to check it out on YouTube. They have the whole ceremony online recorded. Oh, wow. um, I had an acceptance speech and that the week of Hall of Fame, um, I think I had seven speaking engagements that I was doing, um, d- different talks on uh, on unity, on being a technical artist. I did a special one that I really love about specifically pixel art and pixel art animation. And we did a talk on the virtual production stage at, at Full Sail. Mm-hmm. Um, just all kinds of crazy stuff. And then, of course, there was the induction ceremony, which was... I I was trying to pinch myself the whole time. I didn't believe I was there. Yeah, uh, it was it was crazy. It, it was like, yeah, I can do this. I do public speaking all the time. But then you put, you know, all your fit friends and family and all the people that you respect in the seats in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's a t- completely different story. Um, I was shaking in my boots, and I I, t- I told a lot of people this. I'll tell you, um, it felt like a roller coaster, in the most pure sense of the word. Because it's like from the time that I found out to the April, it was like I was going up a hill, like, right. And as you're going up a hill on a roller coaster, you're like, okay, this is great. All right, this is high enough. Okay, you can put me down now. Like, um, <laughs> is it? Is there any more? I don't know. You know, as you start screaming, um, that Sunday was like anxiety central. I I was all jitters. I couldn't think straight and then Monday happened that was like the cresting of the hill mm-hmm. where you're you're looking over you're like tilted down you're like ah like you're looking you're expecting this big week ahead of you and then it was just like you know speed and loop-de-loops and barrel rolls for the rest of the time it was a ton of fun gotcha. a lot of people who I love a lot of people who love me and it was absolutely more than and more attention than anybody should ever get in their entire lives so hmm. it's um <laughs> It sounds fun though. It, it sounds like it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's 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 the coolest thing that it, probably a person can happen that's you know in their career path. So yeah. congratulations. It's a big <laughs> deal. Yeah. Thank you. Still can't believe it. I'm still reeling. I have the trophy on my mantle and I look at it all the time. I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> well, we're going back to our questions here. Okay, so we're going to go kind of a little bit faster here. Okay. Favorite quote that you live by? Fail fast for all the fun. Mm, That sounds like Mm -hmm. it came from one of those uh, movies that's out there. Ooh, the one that, gosh, what is that movie? You know, the one where they race and the guy died? What's his name? Fast and the Furious. Yes. It sounds like a Fast and the Furious (laughs) type of a quote. Yeah. Fail fast, fall forward. (laughs) Yeah. um, It was a, it was it was on a, it was in a GDC talk at one point and it really latched yeah. on with me because I was not doing as well as I could be. Like I, I, I just kept trying to get ahead and I kept failing. And, um, when I realized like, you know, I can use failure as a tool to get me mm-hmm. further than I would if I chase perfectionism. Yeah. Cause perfectionism is a goalpost. That's always going away from you into the horizon. You'll never catch, but failure's right there. <laughs> And then how we learn though, you know, that Karis, you know, that every failure comes with a lesson. So if I just 
I'm going to see if this works. I'm going to try this. I'm going to just do it anyway. Like very much like, um, you know, just scientists. Yeah. I'm going to see, I'm just check it out just see what it, um, and then rapid iteration. If it didn't work, try something else. Um, mm-hmm. taking an iterative approach to my career and my life. And it seems to have worked so far. Yep. Yep. It does. It does. What are you most grateful for? Uh, I, um, that, that I'm grateful for so much. Um, what am I most grateful for? I'm mm. most grateful for my relationship with my creator and it is very personal to me. Um, it's something that I would, wouldn't be able to go forward without acknowledging because, um, that encompasses everything. I I'm grateful for my relationship with my husband. I'm gr- grateful for, um, the opportunities that I've been given that have led me here. I'm grateful for the people that I've met. I'm grateful for the uh, the time that people have given me to grow my skills. I'm grateful for those opportunities. Like I, I was given uh, more than maybe I should have been given because I really put myself out there. You know, 80% of success is showing up. You know, mm-hmm. um, I attended the things I uh, went directly to someone's door. I showed up. I put forth the effort. And because of that effort, people took a chance on me. And Mm -hmm. after the people took a chance on me, I took that and I did something with it, right? Um, But if they had never given me the chance, then I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. And every single one of those mistakes was always, uh, or the failures, whatever a person wants to call them, are always a way that we remember that sometimes we we don't learn right away. And sometimes we're, it has nothing to do with how fast we learn. It's really about uh, the journey. Do you get out of the opportunity to learn? Literally. Yeah. I'm grateful for the people at 0.3D for giving me a chance, uh, hiring me as their first artist in their small business. I'm grateful for Astro Crow Games and Brian Stabile uh, taking a chance on me, believing in my artwork and actually being a fan of my artwork and liking what I do to the point where he didn't give up on me, no matter how many times I let him down. Um, I'm grateful for Chad Hoover, who hired me to work on his artwork, work on artwork for his board game, and believed in my artwork and really wanted to put my artwork at a forefront and uh, was patient with me and kind with me because um, I'm not a perfect person and I forget things and I am a procrastinator and I, <laughs> there, there are things that I have failed on. And I think that if my failure resume was written, it would be longer than my actual resume. Um, projects that didn't work out, projects that didn't um, didn't come to fruition, um, things that weren't successful. And I um, that there are games that I worked on that um, never saw the light of day. There are mm-hmm. games that I worked on that did, and they just they maybe have you know sat in the Steam library for a very long time, and that was it. I'm still grateful for every single one of those. Very, very grateful. And I wish that I could uh, call everybody out. I'm I'm grateful to Unity for giving me the opportunities that they did. I'm grateful to Anthony Davis for picking me out. I'm grateful for Katrina Green for telling Anthony Davis to to think of me. (laughs) 
um, grateful to Lee Wood for believing in me and making sure that I knew that I was good enough to get that job at Unity. Um, and the list goes on. It really does. I, I, I know that there are more people in my, my road than I've said here. And oh so gosh. It's going to remind we, me. We don't have that kind of time, right? No, we don't. Everything. And I, I'm stressing out trying to, trying to figure it all out, but, um, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the floor back to you, Isabella. Oh, thanks. So we're going to go with, what do you want to be remembered for in life? Oh boy, that's, um, <laughs> golly. Um, that, that is, that is a big one. Uh, geez. I listen, I want to be the person that made an impact. And the only way that I can make an impact is with the skills that I have. And the skills that I have are video game art skills mm -hmm. that can be applied to more real world things like simulation, like innovation, uh, computer vision, art artificial intelligence. And that's what I want to be remembered for is somebody who didn't didn't let the the perception of being an artist keep her from making an impact on things that mattered to her. You got it. So I, but I also know when when we were talking before, um, solving problems in the real world, and yes. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sweet side of it. So I want to solve problems and make an impact in the real world. Yep. So we're going to take a little break and we're going to go acknowledge our sponsor, Transcend Network, and we will be right back. Transcend Network helps early stage startup founders find product market fit through weekly experiments, receive fundraising support, and build a global founder investor network for ed tech and the future of work technologies. The Intern Whisperer is affiliated with Employers for Change, and we thank Transcend Network for being a sponsor of our show back in the second half of our show where we talk about what does 2030 look like? So what do you think it's going to look like? <sighs> you know, I've given this a lot of thought because it's kind of comes with the territory and the industry I'm in, and there's a lot of future focused people. And I, I like to consider myself one of those people. I think that we're going to reach the future that we're imagining much sooner I know we're going to have one thing and that's going to be, we're going to have our, our wearable augmented reality glasses okay. that are going to have our, our, our personalizable social medias around our person. And then there's going to be a giant disparity of wealth between the people who have that world and the people who don't. Yep. Um, and I think that disparity of wealth is going to create a, uh, a rejection of that sort of future. And we're going to reach back into into our um, our more simple lives. Um, we're seeing a little bit of this now, and I think it's going to get more intense. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we're going to have very simple home lives um, where we focus more on the everyday, the day, the the, the daily, the sustainable. Um, we're not going to be doing as much constant technology. We're going to be um, doing things that are more kitschy and more homey 
And then we might have the supplementation of our artificial intelligence um, applications that help us do things like make grocery lists. Um, and then we're, you know, we're going to have our Amazon overlords potentially delivering us things on drones. I know that that's a, that's a popular one. I don't think we're ever going to get there. Um, I think that there's too many people that are going to shoot them down and it's going to be a, a cost. Um, I think we're, we're probably going to have um, driverless vehicles for sure. Oh, yeah. And then I definitely see uh, warehouses that people can drive up into, get their car loaded with the thing that they already purchased on their app and then drive away. So rather than our big box stores or maybe with our big box stores, our Walmarts or big lots, whatever. Big lots. Where'd that come from? Um, <laughs> our Walmarts and our targets, you know, you're going to you're going to get a current version of what we have now. Drive up, get our car loaded with stuff and drive away. Um, and all completely uh, automated, uh, very little human interaction, um, like a giant vending machine. That's that's what I'm imagining. So there's uh, a show I want you to go and watch. It's on Netflix. It's called The Future Of. Mm -hmm. And definitely watch it. It it breaks down what it will be looking like. And um, the homes of the future are uh, made more out of plant materials. Mm -hmm. um, and it's vertical. We're going way higher. Um, they talk about growing our, you know, not growing our own food. We would have the ability to have, you know, grow our own food, but it is also uh, being made in a 3D printer so that it is like what we would want. Where our clothes are 3D. Everything, it is a much smaller footprint than what we ever imagined because um, they talked about bringing grass inside too because all of the environment will have a need to have more oxygen in it and how we can do that. It's so interesting. And when you were talking, I was going, wow, I think you've seen that episode because I, no, I haven't. I think you should see it. Yeah. Because okay. I think it's going to tie in with a lot of what you're predicting there. They did talk about quite a bit. Uh, yeah. And on that note, um, part of my vision for 2030 is definitely at home hydroponics. Yeah. I think that that is going to be even larger than it is now. Um, mm -hmm. I've invested in it myself. I'm very excited about it. And I think that having food at home and having systems, hydroponic systems accessible at home is what we need to combat um, the future of- uh, There's going to be a shortage of food. Yeah. Food shortages yeah. and um, you know a, a difficulty um, with our farming- and uh, I'll be sad yeah. because I like going to the grocery store. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> it's probably my least favorite thing. Sorry, Isabella. I don't enjoy the grocery store. I'm so excited to never have to go to a grocery store again. Um, that is where I'm at. Choices? Is that why? I think that, yeah, it. I do better with, you know, just having, being able to drive up and then put my bags in my car because mm -hmm. I will go there hungry and I will buy more than I need. And, you know, that's a me problem. Yeah. But I think they're really banking on that. They, they design those things so that certain things look delicious and they do del look delicious. So you get there and you smell them and then it's game over. Yeah. And the deli, like, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm a sucker for the deli counter. Oh my God. Yeah. So uh, much. So. I can be more efficient and I can be more succinct in my orders if I can't see or smell anything and I know what I want 
and I know what I'm going to use and those things. And it reduces food waste because I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm I'm going to have guacamole. I never have guacamole. I never have guacamole. Why would I keep trying? Um, you don't I really like guacamole. I like it. But do I make an effort to put it on my food if it's in my refrigerator? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. I know. So robots, AI, augmented reality, virtual reality, pick one. What do you want to talk about? <sighs> um, so I've, I've worked in, I, I haven't done robotics, but I've worked in all of those spaces. Um, I do believe that augmented reality and virtual reality will blend as far as a at-home unit is concerned. I think that you'll have one unit that has a pass-through and a fully opaque option to give you your AR and VR. It's less accessible and less likely that someone's going to buy an augmented reality headset for entertainment. Um, it's more, more uh, reasonable that someone would purchase it for industrial reasons. So at this moment, um, I think that AR is definitely going to do well in industrial spaces for training and uh, error prevention and uh, planning purposes. Um, and then of course, VR is gonna continue to kill it in the entertainment space. Um, I definitely see, and I've said this for a few years and it's actually happening, which is really exciting. Um, our empty American malls are gonna turn into giant entertainment spaces, even oh, more yeah. so than they currently are. And um, just big virtual reality, uh, mixed reality um, play spaces for like laser tag and stuff. So we can live out our, you know, Overwatch and TF2. Fantasy. So we'll, I'm really, my age be able, <laughs> we'll really be able to get into the Jumanji game ourselves right in there in the studio. We'll not go to the movies. I, I always like movies, though. But we would be able to jump right in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, I think we saw a lot of that with um, The Void, and I, I don't think that was as successful. I think that um, I think that themed ones are going to have their own space. I don't know. Maybe they'll have different spaces. But the point is, yes, you'd be able to jump right into the game and play it. Yeah. Um, or experience yeah. it, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, yes, ex experience it. I forgot. That was the, the 2020 word of the year is the experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> play it. So um, thoughts about remote work, blended and on-site flexible work. What do you think? It's, it's not going away. I'm pretty sure we're, we're going to be keeping it kind of the same, yeah. but I don't know if we'll be working as many hours. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, we've, we've kind of proven that remote work is a viable option for a lot of workers. Um, I think that a blended option is the best because we need to have some sort of you know, grounded time with our, our team. We need to be able to see a little bit of face-to-face, -face, but the way that I'm seeing my current work going is that we need to have more blended online and um, in-office uh, opportunities where you have people there person and you have people online because we're no longer in the same space. We have people all over the country. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it just doesn't make sense for someone to travel to an office to get on zoom and talk to people in another city so you know that it, it's just it's just the way that it is um and i don't think it's going to change anytime soon and it's working so there's no reason to 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 change it so there's a a push to go back to the office and we'll see where that goes um 
Do you and go into an office? I do. I do go to the downtown campus of Unity Technologies. Where is um, that? That is on Orange, Orange Avenue. Okay, I did not know that. I'm going to have to come visit you. <laughs> we would love that. Yeah, over there, uh, you know I'm in OMG Labs. But um, <laughs> And have you been down? Did you come to our grand opening? I didn't come to your grand opening. I'm sorry. Okay. Probably, uh, what month was that? Was that? It was just last month, and you probably didn't get an invite because it was put oh. out on kind of short notice but I mean it was planned it was definitely planned I would love for you to come down because one of the things that we did down there just so you can because you've been there um I set up art galleries in the hallway Aww. so I made one hallway <clears throat> the VR you know the whole AR I'm sorry the whole AR um hallway and then I made half of a hallway for member art. And then the other half is for the games, the game jams. And then there's a Aww. history hallway. So it has a different structure. I made more uh, lounge areas so that mm -hmm. people can have this great view of the lake. And um, yeah, so I would love for you to come down. That sounds lovely. And if you have a piece of artwork, we'll put it up in the member hallway. You'll be famous down there. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're coming back over here. Um, ethical di dilemmas. What do you think the ethical dilemmas will come from having a world built around AR, VR? I, I think accessibility is the biggest one, right? You're immediately removing certain people when you center different experiences around augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, it excludes a large portion of people, whether it be a different tax bracket or it's uh they have underserved they have, communities that's what we call it in nonprofit yeah underserved communities yeah um and as well as differently abled people you know they wouldn't be mm -hmm. able to ex appreciate or experience those things the same way that others would be able to i've seen some ethical dilemmas with virtual reality and the content that's being put out but that's that's um the same with all forms of media you're going to get you're going to get that sort of ethical dilemma i think I, I but largely i think that ar and vr are here to help um my favorite part about virtual reality in particular is it's um fda approved for pain relief um and you know what what else could you want for people who are pain sufferers that might be um you know reliant on certain uh, certain chemicals and things that, you know, they that are hurting their bodies. Um, so yeah, but that, that's the only ethical dilemma I see with AR, VR. Mm. I, I often think that um, Avatar, the movie Avatar, I found it really interesting because here's somebody that's in a wheelchair, right? And he goes inside of a, a chamber to be able to experience what it would be like to run and to move. And mm things of that nature. Um, what I also sat there and totally able-bodied people, they do the same thing because you want to go experience something. Personally, I I would not want to. So for me, I sit here and go, I feel like I have a fear of closed spaces. So I'm going, pretty much you're putting me in a coffin so that I can go and experience something that I would not normally probably experience. And I go, I don't know if that's enough of a incentive for me and so for people that have a fear of um closed spaces 
and using the avatar model as the one way that VR is experienced, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I go, I don't know. But in the Black Mirror uh, series, they they show that you can experience it in totally different ways. Um, so there's this place where I think that you're absolutely right. It's going to be segmenting people that do not have resources, uh, financial resources to be able to try things that they wouldn't normally get to. I think it's also going to be something that people that have some type of disabilities may, or anxieties, you know, falls in there, may not do it, or they may, because, you know, if something happened, if there was a fire and they can't get out of the chamber, going, well, that would be a problem. And then I go to the matrix. And there's so many ways of what the future could look like, right, is uh, is part of that we, we just don't know yet. But I think science fiction movies actually can, and TV shows will uh, be one way that we can see the possibilities. Yeah, I've actually, you're right. And um, I've had to fight against that in my career where someone will, it's like once you get into the realm of science fiction in your real life, like we have in the last few years, um, and we've been doing it since the 90s, you know, VR is no, nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as its popularity and people being aware of it, um, once people see things that they previously thought were science fiction, they go, oh, well, what else can we do? Mm-hmm. And uh, you start getting asks uh, just to push the developers and you have to push back a little bit and be like, well, you can't exactly do that or you know, you hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they'll they'll say like, well, what about this thing with that thing like I saw in this movie? And it's like, that would be really great. I'll try my best. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, had a lot of that. I still have a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, very much so. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to know what it would be like. Yeah. So in this side of, um, what is the best mentoring advice that you would want to share with our listeners? Because we always, <sighs> that is our last wrap up question. All right. Um, I say that if you're going to be about it, be about it. And what does that mean? That means make sure that if you want to be in a career, have a certain job title, make sure that everybody, you know, knows that you want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, very much uh, fake it till you make it, but I don't, I, it's because, because if you're doing it, then you're doing it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so if you're going to be about it, be about it. So, you know, shape your whole life around this thing until you get the thing that you're going for. Um, so that people, when people think about you, they think about the thing that you want to do, or even better when they think about the thing you want to do, they remember you and they call you. And they say, hey, I remembered that you were doing this thing. I remember that you're into this thing. I'd, I'd really like to bring you on a project. Um, I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I had with Astro Crow Games because um, being about it and being out and talking at Indianomicon about my game and putting myself out there um, uh, led to all the opportunities that I received. Um, more often than not, someone remembered me from Indianomicon and brought me onto a team as a result. And I wouldn't be at any Namicon showing something 
as a technical artist if it weren't for Brian Stabile and his company, Astro Pro Games. So I I say it again, gotta be about it, be about it. Um, and then of course, take care of yourself. Um, it's very important to take care of your best asset. It's you. You mm-hmm. are um, you are irreplaceable. You are valued. You need to be treating yourself as the valuable asset that you are. <laughs> so that means drinking your water, getting your sleep, and always putting yourself first when it comes down to yourself or a project. Um, remember that, you know, that project deadline may go by, but, you know, you're more important than, you know, burning yourself out. I'm saying that I'm not doing that. I am often the person that burns myself out to get something done. Uh, and I've been reprimanded many times for it, but, uh, I'm sharing that information with you because, uh, that's what everyone keeps telling me. So. Uh, you know what? That's what they tell me too. And I, I, I do the very best I can to do that on my calendar. It has, you know, 11 o'clock till five. That's when I'm supposed to go to sleep. And sometimes like this week, I was up till two 30 and I still had to get up at five. So like, yeah, you tell <sighs> ourselves that, right. We tell ourselves yeah. that. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting better at it. I think. Yeah. Definitely. Me too. Me too. Uh, I feel that. Well, Karis, I want to tell you, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I look forward to um, having some other conversations with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our video team, Gabe Laporte. Music is by Sophie Lloyd. Be sure to visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while skilling your people for the future of work. Thank you for supporting the Intern Whisper by subscribing to us on Podbean, our Employers for Change YouTube channel, or stream from your favorite podcast channel.